Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Yes, sirree, this is Leonard Bird's song. Happy Groundhog Day to you and the world. Leonard Bird's song radio. A blend of humor, opinion, storytelling, and information. Bird's song will never provide you with fake news, but he'll always perhaps make you laugh out loud at some of his true news stories about dumb criminals and their shenanigans and some other things that we call tidbits. Well, I'm so happy to be with you. Um, we've got the peanut gallery behind me. Are you there, folks? Yeah, there, there, there. Okay, okay, we know you're there. Thank you. Got it. All right. So they're always a little frisky on my show. As I tell you, folks, my nickname is Leonardo. That's what the girls in Spain call me when I go over there to teach. Sort of like that. At any rate, um, I've got some dumb news stories. That's how I'm going to start the show. We're going to talk a little bit about Black History Month, and then we're going to have a very special guest, Dr. Katana Tully. An interesting life this lady has lived, and she's just written a memoir, a book that's out of sight. We'll be talking to her soon. But let me start with some of my dumb news stories that I've collected fairly recently. This first one comes from the United Kingdom, that is England. And the headline reads, Just how young does this filly look? Inquiring minds would like to know. A British man says he is forced to carry ID for his 32-year-old girlfriend because she looks so young that people accuse him of pedophilia. Shaky Finks, that's his name, Shaky Finks, 42, maintains that his life has become unbearable as people have wrongly accused him of molesting children. To which I say, just how young does this filly look? Inquiring minds would like to know. (laughs) All right. Come back to the United States. New Mexico. This story is out of New Mexico. The headline, a body camera bust. A policeman was arrested after accidentally recording himself with a body camera giving marijuana to his girlfriend. Grants, that's the sound that he works in, Grants Police Sergeant Roshan McKinney was released from jail on bond for this incident recently. Unfortunately, he's also been accused of embezzling $785 and keeping an 8-ounce brick of marijuana that he did not submit to the Police Department Evidence Vault. Shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. All right, let's just move on. Now, here's one from New York City. And uh, the headline, Water Gun in Drag Rob. Tell you again, the headline, Water Gun in Drag Rob. A cross-dressing crook who wore a dress and bra doing a Staten Island bank robbery admitted he was armed, but only with a water gun. Jordan Wise, who's 24, allegedly told federal authorities he used the toy to hold up a bank in Stapleton in July while wearing a long black and white dress, silver heels, sunglasses, bra, and a sequined hat. All this is 
detailed in the police report or the complaint that they got. Police uh, realized that the fellow turned himself in because he was caught on video making off with $700 in cash while dressed as a woman. All I can say is, oh, my. (laughs) You like that, folks? (laughs) All right, peanut gallery. All right, all right. Um, Oh, there goes the fax machine. I've got news tidbits coming in from my research assistant. I'll be reading to some of them later on. Right now, I want to finish the news. Okay, shut that thing down. This next story from New York City, the headline, No Dough for the Booty Grabber. A $2 million lawsuit filed by a Queens man who was dubbed Carlos the Booty Grabber was tossed out by a Brooklyn judge who didn't buy his claims that he was falsely arrested. Alan Raiden sued New York City back in 2014 after getting handcuffed the year before on charges that he groped two women near St. John's University. Raiden, who is 35, was cleared of forcible touching and harassment, but said that his life has been ruined over the arrest and the moniker he was given in the news reports. The Brooklyn judge ruled that police had probable cause to arrest him, because he was positively identified by the victims. So, no dough for the booty grabber. Here's something from New York State. The headline, Son of a Gun, maybe. The son of Syracuse police chief was arrested this past summer with six others on drug charges. Chief Frank Fowler's son, Frank Jr., 25, was being held in lieu of a $100,000 bond. Fowler and others were found with drugs in an apartment by officers investigating a noise complaint. Chief Fowler declined to comment on the arrest. I guess so. All right, here's one. You know, this one is, this comes from Ohio. It would be funny if it wasn't so sad. The headline, ring, ring, bang, bang. A man tried to answer his cell phone while under knife. Oh, let's start that again. A man tried to answer his cell phone while under nitrous oxide at the dentist's office. Unfortunately, he mistakenly grabbed his pistol and shot himself in the hand. James White, 72, thought he heard his phone ringing and somehow set off his gun with a bullet going through his hand and grazing his stomach. We learn that the new Carlisle, Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, Ohio Dental Group, the new Carlisle, Ohio Dental Group is now considering prohibiting weapons. And I'd say, and none too soon. Who brings a gun to the dentist? My God. All right. Some of these are funny. Some of them are not. But I'll let you judge. Oklahoma, this last story. Nope, it's not the last story. i got a couple more. This story comes from... Oklahoma. Headline. Strange story. Death by the cross, but not on the cross. An Oklahoma City woman accused of killing her daughter by forcing a crucifix down her throat told police she believed the 33-year-old victim had possessed or had been possessed by the devil. Police, Police had gone to the suspect's home in late August and found Geneva Gomez dead on the ground with a crucifix placed on her chest. Mom Juanita Gomez, 49, 
faces a first-degree murder charge and is being held without bail. Hmm. How about that? All right. Our last news story of this section. This story comes from Pennsylvania. The headline, Brainiac. A man stole a human brain from a science lab and used it to get high. Joshua Long, 26 of Carlisle, allegedly dipped his marijuana in the formaldehyde used to preserve the brain and then stashed the brain under his porch. A frightened relative called police when she found the brain wrapped in a shopping bag under the porch. Of course, you know that dipping marijuana in formaldehyde turns the weed into what is known as angel dust. Funny story, I don't know who steals brain to get the... To get the formaldehyde. <laughs> well, someone in the, someone in the peanut gallery thinks it's funny. Okay, I don't think it's funny at all. But anyway, those are the news stories of dumb criminals that I wanted to bring you this morning. This is Groundhog Day, folks. The Poxitani Phil, the groundhog, supposedly saw his shadow at daybreak today, and that means six more weeks of winter. But we are now into February, and February is called African American History Week, or Black History Month, rather. Black History Month is also known as African History Month, African American History Month in America. It's an annual observance in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. The precursor to Black History Month was created in 1926 in the United States when historian Carter G. Woodson and the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History announced that the second week in February was going to be Negro History Week. That week was chosen because it coincided with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln on February 12th and of Frederick Douglass on February 14th. Now, Those are important dates for people of color in the United States. In 1976, the expansion of Black History Week into Black History Month was first proposed by the leaders of the Black United Students at Kent State University. And uh, on on, uh, 1976, as part of the United States Bicentennial, the informal Expansion of Negro History Week to Black History Month was officially recognized by the U.S. government. President Gerald Ford spoke in regards to this, urging Americans to, quote, seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout history. The United Kingdom started celebrating Black History Month, started in 1987, it was organized through the leadership of Ghanaian analyst Akiyaba Adida Sabo, who then served as a coordinator of special product projects for the Greater London Council and uh, created a collaboration to get it underway, and it has been a success. They also celebrate Black History Month in Canada. It started in 1995 in Canada. Now, I think that... African American History Month is good, Black History Month, whatever you want to call it. However, there are some critics. Black celebrities such as director, um, black celebrities such as actor Morgan Freeman has criticized 
Black History Month, with Freeman saying, I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. Freeman has argued that there was no White History Month because white people did not want their history relegated to just one month. Well, Morgan, that's your feeling. Have it your way. I think it's useful and it's good to take a view of what people of color and black people in the United States have done. We've done a lot of things, invented a lot of things, helped fight the wars, helped build the nation. So there. Anyway, that's one of the things on my mind. I think that it is a good thing. Schools will be having uh, certain schools will be having uh, affairs for Black History Month. And uh, I'll be with you through this month. I'm going to bring on some other guests. Right now, we're getting ready to take a pause for the cause, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to a special lady, Dr. Katana Tully. Tully, rather, I'm sorry. And she's written a fascinating book that I've read and that maybe you want to read, too. We will talk to her and find out about her background. She's a person of color, person of African descent, born in Guatemala, adopted by German parents. All right, folks, stay with us. There's more to come. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash Birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com
Yes, this is Birdsong back with you on Talk Zone Radio, Leonard Birdsong Radio Show. I'll go, there goes that fax machine again. That's my research assistant sending me some news tidbits to read on the air. But in this segment, um, and I'm glad you're back with me, we have a guest, and I'm glad to get her on. Her name, Dr. Katana Tully. She is a former actress, a former model, a college professor. She was born in Guatemala by black parents or of black parents and was adopted by an upper-class white German family. And she ignored her racial identity for a long time, but finally had to come to grips with it. She's written a book that I've read called Split at the Root, a memoir of love and lost identity. Very well-written book. Couldn't put it down. I hope some of you will read it. Let's see if we can get the guest on. Verkommen, Dr. Tully. Wie geht es Ihnen? Good, thank you, Leonard. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm fine. I thought I'd just try a little bit of my German on you. You know, I haven't been in Germany in a long time, but uh, they taught me pretty well. So good to have you on. I, I really wanted to get you on. I really did like your book, Split at the Root. Let me um, ask you some questions. I want you to talk about your life. You certainly weren't shy in your book. It almost reads like a novel. And you've had, you've had what I think is a wonderful life, and you've gone on to write a book about it, and, you know, it's very revealing. Uh, it took you a long time to write it, though, right? It took me, um, actually, writing it, just getting it on paper, uh, was not long. I, I hammered it down in about six weeks. But mm-hmm. then fixing it, and rewriting and having various versions. And in the end, um, it, took, it took about 20 years before it saw the day of life. <laughs> um, and you say it, it reads like a novel. Well, my intention been to structure it um, uh, like Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon. I love okay. that book. It's a book that develops backwards. And I always felt that in order to understand me as I was more a whole person, a person who was integrated with her culture, her race, her appearance, and all of her upbringing, I need to develop back. Of course, I'm not Tony, Tony Morrison, and so that was a very um, ambitious approach mm-hmm. after after years and um, drafts, I think I have something like six or eight drafts, uh, I was told, look, just simply write it chronologically. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. I pulled it together chronologically. And so the reader understands the struggle of the child, a struggle the child doesn't understand and the child doesn't you know, like all kids, children right. just simply live through life without asking too many questions. They just barrel through it. And, um, and so the reader, the reader knows there are issues there. The reader knows throughout that there are issues there, even when, uh, I'm older, when she is older, <laughs> the protagonist, me, 
is a teenager starts causing all kinds of the reader always the person the individual and that kind now, of pulls the reader in i believe all right, Katana, let's put a little meat on the bones of your story. I mean, I don't want to tell it. You were born in 1940 in Guatemala. Your mother was of African descent, and you are of African descent. Is that right? Yes. yes. And you um, were adopted by Muti and Fati. These were Germans who lived in Guatemala who were involved in the coffee importing businesses or export, exporting business. Is that right? Yes. Um, they basically agricultural produce. Uh, they thought that, uh, that it went from uh, the inter- inside of the country via ships uh, or along a river uh, and then to, um, to cargo boats and further to Europe. That was actually their intention, you know, what their job. Mm-hmm. But so you were brought up speaking German. You were well taken care of as a child. You pretty much had everything you wanted. Is that right? Yes. I never had to ask for anything. Everything I needed, even wanted, was provided. I was mm. very much loved child. I mean, I was absolutely, they doted on me tremendously. And mm. I exploited it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you never, as a young child, really knew much about your real mother, even though she was sometimes living in the house. Is that right? Or at least living in the vicinity. She was was living in the house. When I remember her, uh, she visited, and and it would upset me. She was comparing my birth mother, who was black, my white mother, uh, my white mother had a lot of power, had a lot of push. She could protect me. And so from the perspective of a child, a child is a survivor. And the right. child thus will go with the best protector. And so I disdained my mother uh, because she was black, because she was powerless. You mm-hmm. know? She, and I later learned that she was immensely powerful. Not the type of power that is seen as power in society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but as I understand it, basically you didn't like your mother. You thought perhaps she abandoned you. Is that it? Or you just yes, didn't really it, think yes. about it? As I remember it, you, you know, I there were there there are so many. I had the therapy to get back to some understanding as to why my perception of the world was not a friend to me because Mm -hmm. I saw black people through the eyes of white people. And Mm -hmm. while I was never, ever given any inkling that there was something wrong with my background or wrong with me from the German society I was growing up in, the subliminal messages were there. Right. It took you, you took you, know, you a number of years to get over that. Now let me just pivot here. You uh, you are trilingual. You basically grew up speaking German and Spanish, and you learned English because you went to school at about fifteen or sixteen to Jamaica. Is that right? Oh, I lo- I spoke English before. I spoke. Oh, you English. did. I was 
I was trilingual by the time I was six. Mm. That I didn't get out of reading the book. I wasn't clear on that. But anyway, you yeah. are certainly trilingual, and maybe you speak a little Italian too, right? Yes. Uh, I lived in Rome, so um, I uh, I learned Italian. It was it came it came very easy. I by the time I learned Italian, I already knew French. Mm-hmm. So you know, there are five languages that that I'm very comfortable in. Well, that's good. I knew you spoke three, but not five. But I guess once you know how to speak Spanish, Italian isn't that difficult to grasp, right? And neither is French, you know. Mm, Well, I'm still working on that. (laughs) Okay, you're better at those kind of things than me. But let me let me try to find out some more about the story. You called your mother... Your your adopted mother, Muti, that's what they call, that's mommy in German, and your father was Fati, right? Yes, yes. My daughter, when we were living in Germany, when I was stationed there, she actually went to a uh, German kindergarten, Frau Erber's kindergarten, and she started calling us Muti and Fati, which is something that always shocked me by the time she went to the international (laughs) school. In Hamburg, she had gotten over that, but so I, I've heard those terms, but it still sort of shocks me when my child called me Fati. But uh, you lived through that. Now, your Munti, when she learned that you wanted to be an actress, dissuaded you, saying there are no parts for people who look like you, Morley, and Morley means little more, right? Yes, Darcy. But, yeah, but you that overcame that. Tell I us a little about the, it. Well, that was the Morley is a, an endearing term for a dark person. Right. So Morley is I I don't uh tolerate anyone calling me Morley anymore. And there are none there's no one alive who would still call me Morley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only did but, it because I read the book, okay? <laughs> Yes, I didn't I mean know, it as a put I down. I'm, no, I'm just saying it because it's a really endearing term. But when, you know, now people come who say, oh, this is Morley. I say, no, I beg your pardon, Katana, you know, <laughs> because by now I'm not Morley anymore. But still, so that was what I was called. And so Muti said, look, there are no parts for you. And as far as I can see, none will ever be created. All and right. so it was very funny, um, you know, I mean, I I didn't know what I wanted. Then I ended up in Europe, and in Europe, uh, uh, they were looking for parts in a French comedy, and the part was actually a lead, second lead, second female lead, and that was a black girl. And someone said, look, there's this one girl over there, and she's fluent in German. Mm-hmm. Perfect for the part. And so the director comes up to me, asks me if I would like to have the part, and I tell him, yes, I always wanted to be an actress. Mm-hmm. And so you <laughs> so, fell into it. Now, when you so originally went to Germany, you were going to be a, um, uh, what is it, a translator? You went to uh, study at the Sprachen und Dolmetscher Institute in Munich. Is that right? Yes. That's uh, the Language Academy of the University of Munich. Mm-hmm. But acting really got you, and uh, you never became a translator, as I understand it. No, I never did. I never did. No, I, I, I got into acting, and then when acting was slow, I was a model. 
but I worked on television, film, uh, stage, and in um, in voiceovers. I, I dubbed American films into German. And, um, you know, I did everything that actors do. Actors keep themselves busy. Uh, right, right. In, Ger- in Germany, when I was there, many of the American movies I saw actually had been dubbed into German. I didn't know enough German really to understand some of it, but sometimes they had subtitles. So interesting, very interesting. But I, I think you like that life, isn't that right? You, matter of fact, you met your husband, who was an actor, while you were in Europe. Tell us about it. Uh that was a blind date. He was an American, and I, I had by then, and that was the mid sixties. Then you had the hot summers in the states. You had the civil rights movement here, and all of these things. And I didn't want to identify with any of that. And so here I have um, this American, and he wants, you know, a friend of mine says, "Hey, I have a friend." Uh, so he travels. He's from Italy, and it was a blind date, uh, and I only went because he sounded so very, very nice. Otherwise, I would have <laughs> not, I would not have bothered. Uh, and um, and we stayed together from that day on. Now he was a white American, and while my German mother always protected me as best she could so that people wouldn't say anything that might offend me because I was dark. Um, mm-hmm. he, he continued doing it. Mm-hmm. And I see. Because my son, who is biracial, he also, he must have absorbed it from his father <laughs> because he also always protects me. He has the feeling, no, you're not going there. and No, you're not doing this. And we're going together. <laughs> right. As a matter of fact, as a result of you getting married to Fred, Fred Tully, wasn't that his name? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you ended up coming to America. You lived in Los Angeles for a little while, is that right? Yes, we lived in Los Angeles. And uh, at first I didn't under- understand racism. I didn't right. get it. And then when I understood what it was, I just simply packed the family up and left for Europe again. But then Europe sort of turned you off too by that time, and you went to Mexico for a while. Is that that true? Those were years of Ottoman settlement, yes. And then Mm. I came to upstate New York, where my husband was from, and they loved our son, and they embraced me, this New England family, all white, Irish, French. And embraced me like one of their own, um, which was very comforting. And um, then I decided, well, I need to finish my education. I'm not going to get any parts as an actress here. I need to finish my education. And um, and while I was studying at the university, I ended up having to say what I was. Was I Hispanic? <laughs> Black was I European because mm-hmm. of the culture, so I had an awful lot of conflict. Uh, and then someone had the wise suggestion to say that I needed therapy. I yeah. needed to understand, uh, you know, what the impact was. 
Well, Katana, we got, I want you to stay with us. We're going to take a little pause for the cause here, but I want to talk with you a little further. So please stay with us, okay? Thank you so much. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited, nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and consumer debt counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. <laughs> yes, sir. Back with you, Leonard Birdsong Radio. We're talking to Dr. Katana Tully. She is um, an author. She is a former college professor. She was an actress, a model, and she's written a wonderful book called Split at the Root. When we took that pause for the cause, we were talking about the fact that uh, in upstate New York, you went back to school and uh, you've um, got a master's degree and a PhD degree, but you also went into therapy. Did it help you? Absolutely. Um, more than anything, it was. Uh, it took a long time, really, about two years, before I realized that there actually was something wrong with the way I perceived the world and the way I perceived myself, because I actually had a very poor self-image in spite of all the, uh, you know, the accolades and the praise I received as an actress. Exactly. What I did when I studied, when I. I study African-American history, African history, uh, the history of Africans in Latin America. I studied art, um, you know, the heart of Renaissance, black uh, artists in the United States, their lives mm -hmm. that they left, literature, 
voracious reader. I read all the classics. And so I honestly steeped myself very deeply into the culture of those that had gone before and what they had done and their struggles. The same with Caribbean, the uh, Caribbean literature, negritude. Right. Um, you know? Yes. I, I well know what you're talking about. As a matter of fact, what I want to segue into, I, you know, most, many people, I won't say most people in the United States probably don't know that there are black people in Guatemala. I knew something about it, but why don't you tell us how Africans came to live in Guatemala? Can you tell that story? Oh, yes. Um, the original inhabitants of the Caribbean islands were Arawak. Those were people from... Native Americans. They they were Native Americans who traveled up the Orinoco Delta, which is in Colombia, and then shipped off into the island. Uh, They were warriors, survivors, and when the Spaniards came on the island, they actually did away with the lesser, the weaker cultures not because they killed them intentionally, but through disease and attrition, I guess. But mm-hmm. the Arawaks fought them, fought the Spanish, then fought the French when the French started coming there because sugar became very lucrative. And, right. uh, and the, uh, the Arawaks receded in a very small number, but they receded to a very inhospitable island called St. Vincent. Uh, and they lived there free without any interruption or the, the English would try to get them off and the French would try to get them off unsuccessfully. And on, uh, in the 1700s, um, a slave ship uh, ran aground on the reef of, um, of St. Vincent and the slaves on that ship saved themselves onto the island and live harmoniously with the black, with the native population that lived mm-hmm. there, with the Arawak. Uh-huh. And so they were called, basically, the Arawak, the Spaniards called them carrots. And so that's where you have a dark population in St. Vincent. And right. in time, it became uh, a fact and a feature that any space of enslaved people in the Caribbean, if they could make their way to St. Vincent, they would live there free. So um, eventually in the late, early 1800s, the the British in Seven Years' War and around that time, the British just simply uh, came to an agreement with the Caribs on St. Vincent that they would resettle them in, and um, then, uh, you know, they'd have access to the island. And so, because there were such few left, there were some 2,000 left, they put, uh-huh. them on ships, they put them on ships and sent them off, and these ships, these boatloads landed, and as I say, decorated the northern coast of Central America. These uh-huh. are the mis- those are the Mosquito in Nicaragua. Those are the people in Honduras, uh, 
Honduras has a, a, a population there. You have the ones in Guatemala, some in Belize, and um, and they live there, settled as best they could, had to readjust to a very different form of of existence. And the British never came back to resettle them or to help <laughs> them settle. But they made it on their own because they were survivors, for sure. Yes, and um, and so. Uh, that's how you have dark populations on the northern coast of Central America, all of these. Panama right. is different. Right. You know, Costa Rica has, I don't think Costa Rica has any, but, um, yeah, that's the history of Honduras, Nicaragua, and Guatemala, the tariffs there. And they're called Garifuna. That's the name they call today. And they have their African, Caribbean, whatever, and the dancing and the gregarious, joyous people. Right. Well, now you came from a, uh, I guess you were actually born in a village uh, in Livingston in Guatemala. It can only be reached by boat up the Rio Dulce. That's the Sweet River. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That's the only way. Even today, there are no roads that connect because it goes through dense absolutely dense tropical jungle to get there from a city or from any others. It's, and you've and it's gone back there many times, and since you had your therapy, you have reunited with your Carib family. Isn't that right? Yes, I have. I have. And you, you couldn't stay, seems like you couldn't stay away. You kept going back to find out more about how you grew up in this white German, I guess, yeah, family. I, I just, I wanted to know what happened that my, because I have a German friend who's very dear, and she said, no woman in that society, it's a well-contained society. She visited Livingston. She came back, she asked about Germans. People told her about the Germans that lived there. And they also said that they had stolen a black child. And she said, my German friend said, you need to pay attention to that term because no mother in a well-contained society as that one would leave her child. It's Mm. just not something that would be done. And so that's what I, it became my quest to find out why, why I ended up with the German. Nothing mm-hmm. critical nor anything. I just needed to know, and it's that's why I needed to go back. I, <laughs> because I and then in the end, my German sister, who was a bit o- older than my birth mother, she knew all the whole background of the story. But of course, that would be a spoiler because the book develops really nicely, and then it becomes a cliffhanger toward the end as to what happened. All right. All right, it does, and um, your book is a lovely one. It's a dramatic and beautifully written memoir where you explore questions of race, adoption, and identity. Katana, I want to thank you for coming on on this Groundhog Day in uh, Black History Month, and uh, I hope a lot of people go out and buy your book. It's really worth reading. All right? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, 
Okay. I won't say uh, Auf Wiedersehen. I'll just say Tschüss. How about that? That's what they say in Hamburg. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye. That's wonderful. Thank you All so right. much for having me on your program. I appreciate it immensely. I, I love talking to you. Thank you so much, Katana. Okay? Good luck bye with bye. the book. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Yes, this is Birdsong back with you. This fax machine has been going crazy here. My research assistant has been sending me some tidbits of news that she thinks that I should probably read on the air. We just finished speaking with Dr. Katana Tully. She has written a book called Split at the Root, a memoir of love and lost identity. A very good read. She is a Originally from Guatemala, she was uh, adopted by German parents. She grew up as a German. She eventually went to school in Germany, became a model and an actress there, and married an American actor, came back to the United States, and she's still living in the United States. And uh, I just think it's a good book. I'm glad I had a chance to have her on. Right now, I'm going to read some of these news bit tidbits that have come to me from my research assistant. All true. No fake news here on Leonard Birdsong Radio. Here's the first one I got. A Japanese man made the world's worst impression at a job interview by stealing the company's president's wallet. The man said, I wanted to work for that company, but since I hadn't gotten a job, I needed money. So Shogo Takadea, 24, of Yokohama, stole the president's wallet. What a silly thing to do. Here's another one that I've been sent. A drunken, nope, strike that, a drunkard gobbled down a whole roast chicken at a store in Australia, then fell asleep in the bedding section, police say. The 32-year-old drinker had a case of the munchies when he helped himself to the feast, including a chocolate bar and an energy drink at a Woolworths in Dapto, that's in Australia, according to police. Had the munchies, huh? Wonder if he had been smoking pot or something like that. Now, here's a very sad one. Little headline here from this news tidbit. 
headline, Drug Death Soaring in U.S. Drug overdose deaths have increased by 33% in the past five years across the United States. According to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 30 states saw increases in overdose deaths resulting from opioids. New Hampshire alone saw a 191% increase. Last year, more than two, nope, last year more than 52,000 people died from drug overdoses. That's just horrible. That's just horrible. All right, we've got more news here, a little bit more. Did you know that giraffes face extinction? The world's tallest animal is in short supply. The population of the ungangly yet majestic giraffe has plummeted nearly 40% just in 30 years, putting it on the list of endangered and threatened species. Can you imagine that? You never think that the giraffe might go extinct in our lifetime. In 1985, according to this news tidbit, there were between 151,000 and 163,000 giraffes, but in 2015, their population is down to 97,572. As one of the world's most iconic animals, it is the time we stick our neck out for the giraffe said one scientist. Yes, I get it. Stick your neck out. Okay, okay, I get it. All right. I didn't I didn't I didn't write that line, okay? It's funny, but it's it's not my line. All right, folks. I'm having a great time with you here. I don't know. I'm 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 running out of time, but I still have a few more things I want to share with you as we go out. Don't have any more news. Well, no, there's one more news tidbit she wanted me to read. This one comes from Kentucky. Nope. Yep, Kentucky. A Kentucky atheist is suing state officials after they rejected his application for a personalized, quote, I'm God, end quote, license plate. Now, he had the same license plate in Ohio for 12 years, but the Kentucky DMV considered the application vulgar and offensive. And so do I. I'm glad he didn't get the I'm God license plate. Boy, some of the things these folks do out here, I just can't get over it. Well, you've heard some dumb criminal law stories. You've heard some news tidbits. We've heard from Katana Tully. Let's end on a high note. I've got some riddles here. I know you guys are smart out there and you like to listen to these things. See if you can figure these out. Here it is. First one. What do you call a guy laying on your front step? What do you call a guy laying on your front step? Of course you call him Matt. <laughs> All right. Yes, it's funny. It's funny. All right. It's not that funny, though. But what about this one? Why can't you trust pigs with a secret? Why can't you trust pigs with a secret? Have you figured that out? Well, it's because they always squeal. Oh, my God, there goes that fax machine again. You can't trust a pig with a secret because they always squeal. How about that, huh? 
All right. Couple more. What's the best season to jump on a trampoline? Do you know? What is the best season to jump on the tramp- a trampoline? Well, wouldn't you say that it's springtime? It's not that funny, is it? Well, here's another one. Wait a minute now, folks. I gotta, I gotta read the riddle. What happens if rain, what happens if it rains cats and dogs? What happens if it rains cats and dogs? Well, if that happens, you have to be careful not to step in a poodle. Get it? All right, since you like that one so much, Peanut Gallery, have you heard the story about melted butter? It's spreading fast. All right, folks. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Peanut Gallery. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, I've had some fun with you on the radio today. This has been Groundhog Day. I'm about ready to leave you for this week, but I'll be back next week with more humor and some real stories and uh, some news tidbits. But that's all I have for today. But come back and listen to me next week. That's Leonard Bird Song Radio.